Welcome to Macedonian Postcards. Dobrodojdovte vo Makedonske razglednica. My name is David Belidis. Ja sum Dragi Spasovski. And we're your hosts for this show. It's brought to you by Izvor Music. You can look at our website at izvormusic.com. That's spelled I-Z-V-O-R, music.com. Today's postcard is from Macedonia. And the song is Snošti govidov u babato stojne. from Macedonia did not specify an area as usually he introduces a new song. Why? Because the song actually is known and sang all over Macedonia and it's hard to identify the song listening to the song itself. Very often we identify a song according to the lyrics, according to the dialect in the song, or if an area is mentioned then we can really be sure that the song comes or belongs to a certain area. In this situation, we cannot really say the song is from West, East, South Macedonia, because it's a song about the general love, about a beauty of a woman, which can be found in any kind of areas. The very first time this song was publicly heard was with Alexander Serievsky's recording. And I know the very, very first recording, which is in the Macedonian Radioscopia archives, was recorded in something like 1958 or 59, something like that. But later on, he re-recorded the song when the stereo technique was introduced. And that's what we can hear today. The song was spread all over Macedonia, as I mentioned very beginning. And because of the 9-8 rhythm, it's being sang at all kind of celebrations, especially when dancing is involved. Nines are very popular, and Nostigovido Hubavo Tostoine describes the beauty of a woman, and especially the weddings, 
especially the engagement ceremonies when singing and dancing is involved. This song definitely is one of the songs which is included on the list of the evening repertoire. So this is a very popular song then. Yes, it always has been. In Macedonian music anthology, there are a lot of songs which are about women. There are a lot of songs about Stoine, about Iana, about Kate. Most of them are about Iana or beautiful Iana. Then it comes Stoine, then comes Kate, and sometimes Donka. There is Snoštigovido Hubavoto Stoine, one song. Stoine le Stoine, Ubavo Stoine. Stoina Stoina Porti. You name it. Stoine le So this one is about Astoine, who is a beautiful girl, beautiful woman. And the singer is, by comparison, is a figure of speech. He's comparing her beauty, the beauty of her face with the sunshine, the beauty of her forehead with the moonshine, uh, the beauty of her neck with white bread from Solun, or with a shining mirror. That's what the song is, admiration of women's beauty. Did you hear Sarajevsky sing this on the radio? Or did you hear him live? Did you hear a different recording? How did you first hear this song? I've mentioned times and again that most of the songs when I used to say, or when I say the first time I heard, was from radio. As a kid, I was really 
addicted to the radio programs. Yeah, even if I was walking sometime on the street and people had the radios turned on while sitting in the front yard drinking coffee or talking, the music would be, of course, you know, in the background. I would just stop and listen if there was a Narodna Musica program going on. That was like a glue to me. I would stop and wait and anxiously waiting what's going to be the next song they're going to play. So most of these songs I have heard from radio. My experience with the Macedonian folk music was the radio. And your mom. Singing. And my mom, of course, yeah. in the house. But my mom was also the same like me. She, she really enjoyed listening to radio music, radio programs, especially singing with the traditional folk songs. And I guess, you know, just like Apple Falls, not far away from the, from the tree, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I heard Sergievsky from the radio. I've heard Sergievsky sing the song alive various occasions. I don't know how much people know about Sergievsky, but I'd like to dedicate a few words to him because he deserves more than a couple of minutes talking. one of the, in French they say doyen, veterans in uh, Macedonian folk music. His career started with Tanets, as it was with Vaska, Vaskilieva, with Nikola Badev, Nikola Petrov Karadjule, Blagavidets, Vanya Lazarova. He was a member of Tanets. He was not only a singer at the beginning, I think this is a, a story from Atanas, who was also a member of Tanets since day one. He said that Sergievsky played tapan at the very beginning. Oh, really? Yeah, he was a musician. He was a left-handed player. played tapan and then he was he started singing together with Badev they have few duets recorded from way back at that time the Tanitz singers were employed for radio singing when I say employed or deployed for radio singing not recording at that time 1948 that was all live yes it was all live Bonda Dimishkova for instance once I heard her talking. I met her alive at that. Uh, that was the only time I saw Bonda Dimishkova. She was talking to the Chalgia musicians. She came to invite them to be musicians for her son's wedding, to engage them to play the music for the wedding. And 
One of the Chalkia players, the older one, oldest ones, his name is Aki. He was a Jumbush player. They just started talking, revoking the moments of the time when, when this a live performance, radio performance was going on. And they were talking about some anecdotes. Bonda said, oh my gosh, I feel still very embarrassed how I ru- ruined this morning program. It was five o'clock in the morning and I just was late. I walked into the studio, didn't have the time to take off my coat and it was cold outside and we were on. You started playing the music and I could not stop, you know, coughing. <laughs> and this is all live, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that was all live. So uh, to go back to Sarievsky, he was one of the people who really was active in this live broadcasting for Radio Skopje. And later on, uh, when the recording technique was introduced, these guys recorded most of the Macedonian songs among themselves. That was Sarievsky, Nikola Badev, not so much Nikola Petrov Karadjule, but Vaska Ilieva, Dragica Nikolova. Who else was there? Bonda Dimishkova. Bonda Dimishkova was not actually a member of Tanets. She was more kind of outsider, but very active. But also Mirved Belovska. Nada Makelarska was not a dancer and member of Tanets, but she was a very active in recording all these first songs. So as I said, they would record the songs from their own areas, where they came from. So Sarievsky was Sarievsky, Tetovo, right? No, no. Sarievsky is from Galichnik. Oh. He's the only, only singer who, only famous singer who came from Galichnik. Then we had Kirill Manchevsky. Kirill Manchevsky was not a member of Tanis, but he was an active recording singer. He was from Lazaropole. Then 
and we had uh, Mirved Belovska. Mirved Belovska, the talk is that she is coming from around Veles area because she is a Macedonian Muslim and there is a lot of population of Macedonian Muslims uh, over Veles area. Another Mikhailovska was from Skopje. Blagoja Petrovka Rađule from Bitola area. Vanya Lazarova was from Kumanovo area. We talked about her last podcast. And Vaska was a Skopje area, a Skopje-born person. So they recorded not only the songs from their own collections, but also they were recording people from different areas. Like, as remember, I said a couple of times, if somebody approaches Radio Skopje to try and sing and record for the radio program, but the voice is not very suitable, a radiophonic. Oh, yeah, you mentioned this, and then they would give it the song to a more established singer. Yes, exactly. And there were a lot of cases like that. 
And a lot of people were willing to give their song to Radio Skopje so they can, you know, whatever, you know, later on. Well, then they hear their song on the radio sung by Vaskilievo or Mirza yes, Belovska yes. or something. Yeah, and the Zhivko Firfov mm-hmm. has a lot of, a lot of those recordings. He later on, you know, introduced them in a book that he published in 19, early 1950s. And still on YouTube, you can still find some of those original recordings that he did. And so they were given to more established singers or they were you know, kind of watching the people. Of course, you know, they were professionals in, in music. They would know which one of these singers would give the best interpretation and which one of them would give you the best of their own feelings into the song. So when you say they were professional singers, they weren't, they didn't start off being professional musicians. That wasn't their job. They were musically gifted in a lot of ways. And then they were discovered by Radioskopia or Tanets or Zivko Firfov. And then they became regular singers and instrumentalists. And that's how they became professional. Is that correct? Uh, yes and no. Uh-huh. At the very beginning, Tanets, they were employed. They were professionally employed. They were employees of oh, Tanets. So when someone was asked to join Tanets, they actually got, that was their job? Yes, uh-huh. they were on the payroll. Uh-huh. And the same thing with Radioscopia. When they were appearing in the live broadcasts, they were on the payroll of Radioscopia. And those were two separate organizations? Two separate organizations. Radioscopia is Radioscopia and Tanets is Tanets. Okay, so Sarjewski was employed both by Tanets and by Radioscopia then? Uh, according to Vaska, Vaska Ilieva, Vaska Ilieva was first employed by Tanets. Her father, Todor Boschkovsky, the Gaida player, he was musician in Tanets. <laughs> Vaska in Tanets, and according to her, she was Tanets singer, and she did dance. I remember I've seen Vaska dancing on the stage in the 50s. She was not much of a dancer. Not very many people know her husband was, God bless his soul, I also know him, I've met him, was a very jealous person, and he would not let Vaska go on those touring all around Yugoslavia at that time. Yeah, and she had to stop. So she left Tanets and she joined Radioscopia and she started singing for Radioscopia. And later on, with a lot of, much of effort of Tanets stuff, the director, Chochkov, I forgot his name, he insisted, he was trying so hard to get back Vaska to Tanets and most probably there was some compromise made and Itza, that's uh, Vaska's first husband, 
He agreed, you know, to let her go and join Tanitz again, and Vaska stayed for some time. And to go back to Serievsky, Serievsky was member of Tanitz, and then later he left Tanitz. He was recording for Radioscopia, but then there was a time when they stopped the employment. They did not treat the singers anymore as employees. Employees, so they were paid by recording. Ah, uh, okay. They're like contract workers. Yes, they're like <laughs> something like that. Yeah. So according to the number of your recordings, you get paid by a recording. Yeah. It was lump sum. I remember I was on the same, you know. Uh, you were paid by recording? Yes. Yeah. At the beginning, which was not much. It's kind of a symbolic. But you know, at that time, who cared about the symbolic amount? We just wanted to be singers and to be, you know, to on the radio, right? On the radio, yes. Yeah. Hey, it was something. Hey, yeah, it was a big deal. Then. Yes, I'm on the radio, and then I don't know exactly what his daily profession was. Was he only an artist by performance, by concert shows, by records, recordings? Exactly what he is. Occupation was, was his day job. You don't know what his yes, day job was. I, I, I don't know, to be honest. I don't know. As I said, he recorded a lot of songs from his own area. The most popular was Te Prashuvayet Murilinume. Also, Degidi Ludi Mladi Godini was a song introduced by Sarievsky, which comes from around the uh, region where he comes from. We did a podcast on that one. Yes, we did. But then again, as I said, at the period when these active singing and popular singers uh, were given songs from the archives, he recorded songs from Belis area. I remember... We had a live concert, which was an evening with radioscopia orchestras and radioscopia singers. That's how it was named. It was for one of the radioscopia anniversary celebrations. Backstage, Alexander Serievsky was singing this song, a song from Veles. He was singing the song, and Zhivko Firfov backstage said, we really got the real time to give him this song to record. That was his, it was his prime pick. It's Što mi je milo, milo em drago. Oh, uh-huh. 
it's a song from Veles, and then he was given songs from also from Bitola, and they were recording songs with Dragica Nikolova from all over, from uh, with Anke Gieva and with Nikola Badev. So he became universal singer. So not just Sarievsky, but all the singers then would give each other a repertoire from where they came from, it sounds like. They would sing together. So if Vaska's from Skopje and Sarievsky's from Galichnik, he might say, hey, check out this song. And then the two of them would record it together. But it wasn't her, it wasn't from Skopje, it was from Galichnik, for example. Right, right. At that time when, you know, the technique of dubbing was not introduced when there was only, even at that time, only one mic. If there was a duo, they both would sing at the same mic. But that's exactly what happened. If there's a man's song, it doesn't matter where the song is from. The song was too voiced, a necessity to have a third. So they would get two men, they would put them together. And who would that be? It can be Sarievsky and Nikola Badev. <laughs> Most of them is a man singers Sarievsky and Balev, and there was another Sarievsky, Trpchevsky. Mm-hmm. Those are only two, and maybe another one that I don't remember any other male duets at that time. They were combined, combination of male and female, a lot of them, like uh, Ilieva and Badev, yeah. like Sarievsky Badev, like Anke Gieva and Badev, Dragica Nikolova also recorded with Sarievsky, with Nikola Badev. And uh, Nikola Petrov Karadula recorded with Vaska Ilieva and his sister Blaga Videz. And they were duet singers. Vaska recorded with Blaga Videz mostly. Nada Makelarska recorded with Grozanka Danailova. And the only duet of Mirved Belovska that I've heard is, and I was very surprised when I saw that, was uh, Nada Makelarska and Mirved Belovska. I mean, if somebody else had told me that, I would have had doubts about that duet. Why would you have doubts about that? Mirvet was not really a recording with anybody else. She was always a solo singer. Okay. And she was mostly a Chalgia singer. And Chalgia is not an orchestra where you have melody and harmony. 
It's only melody, mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. But also, um, at that time, Mirvet Belosko recorded with uh, the urban, you know, orchestra, a lot of songs. Most probably at that time, in the 50s, she recorded with Nada Makilarska. And that was the only recording I've ever heard. So you mentioned that these singers were employees of Tanets or Radioscopia, and if Radioscopia had an anniversary concert, they would probably you know, have their employees, their singers and instrumentalists play at this concert. What if Sarievsky was invited to play at a wedding? Did he organize that himself? Or did he have an agent? Did they even have agents uh, at that time? No, no, no. At that time, no agencies. The musicians would get together and they form a band. And if they needed a singer, they would just employ the singer on their own. It doesn't necessarily have to be Sarievsky okay. or... Or Vaska. Vaska, for instance, I don't think she was, she ever sang at weddings. I'm sure, I know she did sing at some special celebrations for some kind of a, a special event. But weddings, I don't know. I'm curious about where else these singers, like Sarievsky, who sings this song, I'm curious about where he, else he might have sung besides the radio or through tonnets and through concerts that were organized by those two groups. A lot of locals and restaurants, David, had ah. bands and groups engaged, and they would switch them like, you know, regular change of the program. So I remember Sarievsky singing in a very popular summer open restaurant. Oh, man, in, so you, in could, a you park. could go to a restaurant, you could hear Sarievsky sing? Yes. While you ate, huh? <laughs> yes, that's, that's where they, they, they appeared. Yeah, and also, a lot of, you know, organizations had their own celebrations, and they were engaged for that a special celebration with a dinner when there were being done some promotions of the employees of whatever, and they would employ an orchestra with singers, and they were entertain the whole evening, whoever, you know, was organizing the celebration. So that's, that's a part of their engagement. So would the organizers hire a band, say, and tell the band, hey, we want Sarievsky to sing at this event. The band would then contact Sarievsky, not the organizer, right? No. No? No, no, the band would, if they want a specific Right, person, that's what I'm talking yeah, about. specific person yeah. for the evening, then the band goes and employs the, the singer. Okay. That's and the, they say, you have $1,000 for the evening, split it among yourselves, and then the band does the rest of it. They're just being engaged right. for the entertainment, and that's it. I don't know if we asked this when we did the previous Sarievsky podcast. Did you ever talk with Sarievsky or sing together with him or anything like that? No, I never, I never sang with Sarievsky. Oh, that, that was the only evening when we sang at the same event. But I never sang together as a duet. No, we did appear separate. Right. He did his song, I did my song. And it was a lot of singers, everyone doing just one song. And that's it. That was, you know, like... This is Radioscopia, this is Radioscopia. Yeah. And it was going kind of by stages. Uh, so I was in the third, introduced as a third generation of... Oh, of singers, Of huh? singers. Did you I ever, was fairly young. I mean, fairly young, new at you, that time. Did you ever talk to him? No, not really. So not you, really. you never really had a chance to, to find out more about, about him or his, where he learned singing or anything like that? None, no, none of that. I have talked to him, but it's just, you know, a talking. 
kind of en passant. It's not, you know, talking and having conversation. Right, right. No, never had a chance. I could have had a couple of occasions, but I, I never knew what kind of a person he is. To initiate a conversation of that kind, you got to know what kind of a person, you know, the other side is and how far you can go. And I never had that feeling. I wasn't sure that, that I can do that. As with Nicola Badev, for instance, I've talked to Nicola Badev a lot because Nicola Badev was a member of the Narod Instrumenti. He played the chord tambura in the band. And we have talked a lot. Very often, he would, after the rehearsal, he would go, hey, let's have a cup of coffee and talk about America. Because I just... You had just gotten back? Yes, I had uh-huh. gotten back from America. Nicola Badev was an easy person to talk. You could feel immediately there's no barriers. He approaches you with his warmth. You can feel the sincerity in his conversation, in, in his approach. And I never felt tight talking to him. Yeah, he was very interested in technique of translations and putting the subtitles. Oh, so that's, yeah, that's your so specialty. That's, yeah, so that's what I, at that time, that's what I did. We talked a lot, and on a couple of occasions, I tried to go into his music life. and. To him, it was his life. He didn't make a big deal out of his music life, David. It was just life, and it was part that he was involved in, that he, something, uh, he did something that he liked to do, he enjoyed to do, and he didn't make a big deal out of that. You've been listening to Macedonian Postcards brought to you by EzvorMusic.com. Слушавте Македонска разгледница, представено от EzvorMusic.com. We're your hosts, David Belidis и Драги Спасовски. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Благодарим, че бяхте с нас и до слушания.